Welcome back to Brazil Crypto Report. Today I'm joined by Daniel Ribnick of Bitcoin Argentina and Julian Colombo, Argentina country manager at Bitso. We discuss Argentinian president-elect Javier Millet's policy proposals, his intellectual alignment with the Bitcoin community, and what we can realistically expect from his heterodox presidency. Great. So today I'm joined by Daniel Ribnick, who's the co-founder of the nonprofit Bitcoin Argentina, and also Julian Colombo, who is the country manager at Bitso Argentina. So Daniel and Julian, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Aaron. It's very great to be here. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so let's start off with a couple of uh, a quick introduction round, I should say. Uh, Daniel, do you want to give us a bit of background on yourself and uh, what is Bitcoin Argentina? Sure. Okay. Uh, I've been introduced to Bitcoin uh, back in 2012. And uh, since then, I had the chance to co-found the NGO Bitcoin Argentina, which is uh, an organization that uh, has the, the purpose to uh, really make uh, the uh, at the time we we started with the, this NGO many of the exchanges that are now in Argentina didn't exist uh, including uh, the main exchanges in the world didn't exist also uh, the main exchange at that time was MTGOX which now does not exist so uh, the, the scenario really changed I'm also a lawyer and I was always be uh, I, I was only inter interested in, in the connection between law and uh, the money and and of course uh, when uh, all these crypto uh, products started to appear I was really uh, very fascinated with uh, all the changes that were coming as a result of of this uh, revolution. Amazing! Amazing! Uh, and Julian, a uh, quick introduction from you. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Uh, so Bitso was founded in 2014 in uh, in Mexico, and we started our business in Argentina in 2012, just a month before the pandemic hits. Uh, so we are one of the biggest crypto exchanges in Latin America with more than 7 million clients. Uh, and I've been working in crypto since 2016. I joined uh, when I was living in, in Washington, D.C. For a, for a master's program and discovered that uh, using crypto assets were, was the fastest and the most uh, and the cheapest way to move money from and to different countries. So happy to be here and happy to try to ex explain what's, what's happening now here. Amazing. Oh, well, I was actually living in Washington, D.C. in 2016 as well. And that's when I also found crypto. So wow. we might so have crossed. Right. <laughs> 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 um, but anyway, so um, just kind of diving in here, um, we did a, a, an episode recently that that uh, just published uh, with Sebastian of Repio, uh, and we kind of went into a bit more depth in, in depth into some of the, the the economic policies of Argentina and like how we've gotten to this point where there's there's runaway inflation and uh, it's kind of you know with all due respect it's kind of become the model for like for like how to not manage an economy I guess um, you know just <laughs> say that out of love but you know it's kind of true. Um, and 
and obviously we're at this point now where um, you know, kind of looking at this from the from the the crypto crypto stakeholder perspective, uh, where I think you have a lot of uh, there's a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of people. I mean, even just in my 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 normal podcast circuit of podcasts I listen to, uh, there's people pontificating and talking about oh, like this Malay got got elected in in Argentina. It's really bullish for Bitcoin. I think market was up like three percent just on the news that he got elected, um, and it's it strikes me that there's there's a lot of reason for optimism here but there's also a lot of uh um projecting narratives onto things that might not actually be real uh, and so i'm hoping to get kind of a download from you guys on uh who is this Millet guy exactly and you know what are we what should we be reading into some of these narratives that the bitcoin crypto community has has cast onto him right like he's this kind of you know, Najib Bukele type guy who's going to be, you know, promoting Bitcoin adoption in Argentina when it doesn't, doesn't, it seems like there's a lot more nuance than maybe what, you know, the Michael Saylors and the Balajis and some of these other guys are, are, are saying on Twitter. So um, maybe um, Julian, maybe I'll start with you to just kind of get, love to kind of get a brain dump from you on just like, how did we, how did we get to this point? And um, what, maybe what, what should we be reading into this uh, current situation here? Sure. Um, trying to summarize, um, since the the current government uh, took office in December 2019, uh, we suffered through a lot of things: uh, pandemic, the different wars. Uh, a very big draft here was affecting the uh, the exports of our biggest commodities. So name it. So we we face very uh, very big challenges. So as a result, combined with some uh, difficulties on uh, the, the cabinet of the president on handling uh, the, these kind of problems, uh, we are facing now the situation that is like kind of a worldwide record, which over 150% of inflation rate uh, year to date, uh, with a poverty that it's uh, almost uh, 60%. So kind of, it's a very difficult situation here with that, with an, a national currency, which is our peso, uh, which lost almost like 70% of its value in just 10 months. So we faced the last presidential campaign uh, in this context with the particularity that one of the candidates was the Minister of Finance of this government. So was the guy responsible of handling this kind of indexes, right? Which is kind of weird or try to, trying to explain to people from other countries. So how a, a person or how a politician that is in charge of uh, handling this kind of problems that it's that the policies are not giving the results they expected reach a position to be competitive in in a presidential race on the other hand we have an outsider whose last or who whose first steps in politics were uh, only two years ago uh, when he took office as a national congressman after a very brief campaign in which he presented himself as the only and true liberal option that Argentina had. And it was a person that appeared at the TV stages as a columnist on uh, on financial issues, on uh, on macro perspectives, uh, in different, like, very popular TV shows. Uh, so this was kind of a weird, a weird contest because we are very used to establishment politicians. So here you have to do the cursus honorum, like to reach the presidential uh, uh, seat in which you have to be a governor or, or a congressman or a mayor or whatever. 
no? And we are facing now like kind of a new situation in which a person with no previous experience on the public sector is now facing the challenge of leading the country. And maybe like that was because of the policies that were not given result or because of a certain feeling of tiredness on the Argentinian population or on being governed by the same people as like a couple of decades ago. So we can discuss it, but this is the point we are now. So we are facing a president very different than the ones we, ha we have had in the past with no experience on the public sector, which is being surrounded by people, but by a combination of people uh, which had roles on the 90s, combined with other younger people which had also no previous experience on the public sector. But a lot of people are very enthusiastic on this possibility of being governed by a different group of, of people, right? Greg, and then Daniel, is there anything you want to add to that? And then um, also, I'd love to to get hear from your vantage point as as kind of a you know an OG Bitcoiner. Uh, how do you see uh, Millet's sort of worldview and values uh, kind of aligning with the Bitcoiners Bitcoiner worldview? And um, and and you know what what do we know about Millet's stance toward Bitcoin? We know he's made a few public statements, but do, what, what what do we really know about how he views Bitcoin and maybe crypto more generally? Well, it's interesting because there are, I think, two sides two sides of the coin. Uh, one side is that maybe Argentina has gained so much adoption in crypto because of the failure of the government to really have like a strong currency. And at the same time, this led uh, the whole situation to have like a person like the one described by Julian, an outsider uh, with a different proposal on how to uh, face the, the problems in Argentina, which uh, may lead to uh, an economic situation that will maybe uh, have the opposite uh, situation to which uh, gave rise to the, the, the reason why people adopted cryptocurrencies in Argentina. So Javier Millet is a, is a person that uh, is really in love with the, uh, I would say, libertarian ideas, because if we say liberal, maybe liberal is a word that is differently used in, in the US. So he's a libertarian anarcho-capitalist, and he really felt in love. Uh, he has some books that wrote uh, about uh, this topic. He's a... Uh, uh, also a follower of uh, uh, von Mises, Rothbard, Hayek, all the, the Austrian economist authors. And uh, well, as uh, you know, everybody that, that falls in love with, with an idea, at some point, if you have to implement this idea, this may give rise to uh, different interpretations on how this idea should be implemented. So what, where we are now is in the previous step to what is the implementation of these ideas uh, in the hands of uh, Javier Milei, which, uh, well, I, I will I will be uh, completely uh, honest. I'm I'm very enthusiastic about what is happening because I'm also uh, in love with these ideas. I I've been uh, following uh, von Mises uh, since I was in high school. Uh, it's a long time ago, so I am uh, also a part of the pre-libertarian uh, party that was uh, created like uh, 
13 years ago in, in Argentina, all the people that I, I knew from this pre-libertarian party were now part of the Bitcoin community. The founders of uh, all the early adopters were like Franco Amati, Gonzalo Gluson, all these people were in the pre-libertarian party and I met all them again in the Bitcoin community. So of course, there are a lot of people in the Bitcoin community who are really very enthusiastic about the idea of having a, a libertarian president. And we are expecting the next uh, days to have him take a bench and really make all these uh, policies uh, public. Yeah, there's a couple of interesting things you mentioned there that I want, I want to kind of uh, double click on maybe. Um, so first is that... Uh, I mean, he is, I mean, I think this is, this is, this was the area that, that I, I found most surprising about him was that this guy is very intelligent, very well read. Um, like when you see, I mean, the, my first exposure to him was that you kind of see the memes on Twitter and he's kind of this like outlandish guy. He's kind of, he's a showman, right? He like, he knows how to get people's attention. He's obviously very good at using, you know, he's, he has his camp. I was just watching before we started recording, I was watching that campaign ad where he is, he's like smashing this model of the central bank with like a Thor hammer, you know, I was like, all right, that's pretty good. Right. Like gets, gets people's attention. Right. Um, but, uh, but just the extent that like how well read he is, particularly on Austrian school economics. Right. And I, I've, I've learned over the years that like, okay, anytime you find somebody who identifies as like an Austrian school economics person that like, if you're going to debate that person, like you really need to know your stuff because these people are not like, this isn't the stuff they teach you in school, right? This is the stuff you have to learn on your own. And like, you got to really dive into. Right. So, uh, so a, it's like, this guy is not just some sort of like clown that just like happened to get elected. Like this guy is like a highly intelligent, uh, like very like well-read, you know, understands this stuff inside and out type of person. And then, and then the other, on the other, the other interesting point you mentioned at the, at the beginning of your, your, your remarks there is that it's, there's almost this weird paradox. I was thinking about this a lot before we, we started recording. Like, there's almost this paradox where, like, what's the best thing that a government can do to promote, like, adoption of Bitcoin and crypto? It's like, well, yeah, you could implement laws that are, like, uh, helpful and make, you know, legalize it and whatever. But in, in the case of Argentina, it's like, well, the, the best thing you can do is just print a bunch of money uncontrollably so that people, like, have to use Bitcoin, right? <laughs> right? And that's, that, and that's, the, that's the biggest uh, sort of inducement of people using Bitcoin and crypto is, is just runaway inflation, essentially. Uh, maybe not optimal, but it, it, it does, does do the trick. Um, but, um, but Julian, just turning back to you here, um, how do you see, I mean, I mean, you're obviously, you know, you're, you're the country manager of one of the largest exchanges in the region, I mean, how do you guys kind of see this this election, like, or this new presidency, this new regime, impacting like your business? Like, how are you guys thinking about this? Maybe from like an operation standpoint, from a marketing standpoint. Um, I mean, I, I understand you guys are doing a lot of volume in stable coins right now. Uh, do you expect that to continue? Do you expect? Um, and then I also want to touch on uh, maybe a bit more of. Um, I know there's some, I don't know, understand this super well, but I know that there is, there's been some prohibitions put on banks and fintechs offering crypto or there's some restrictions at least. And, you know, what types of policies can we be expecting, uh, out of this administration as it relates to things like this? Uh, so maybe Julian, if you want to take that and then Daniel, if you want to jump back in. Sure. The, first, I just want to put a pin on what an amazing industry the crypto world is in which not only a libertarian uh, future president like Millet is very enthusiastic for the community because of the ideas of 
of the liberty of the uses of cryptocurrencies as a valid method uh, for settled payments or whatever, but also how different the actual government is and how this government, because of the inefficiency and the different capital controls, have helped the adoption of cryptocurrency here, as you mentioned, like as a hedge against inflation and devaluation, uh, as a way to, to settle payments more instantly or, or faster. So this is amazing because this is one of the few topics that can bridge over the political divide. And no matter where the politicians come from, every context will foster the adoption of of crypto and for me that that's amazing like this being said uh, we are very uh, optimistic on the future of the industry here uh, not only because uh, this last couple of years uh, Argentina have seen a very big adoption on the use of cryptocurrency mainly driven uh, by the use of stable coins uh, as, a, as a replacement of the US dollars that that people cannot get legally because of the capital controls um, but also because there is a lot of sectors that are currently very controlled or are strictly prohibited to operate with 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 cryptocurrencies that we'll be able to or that we supposed or that we are pretty certain that they will be uh, open to like you mentioned like banks or fintechs or brokers offering uh, exposure to crypto prices to their clients, maybe in the form of ETF or futures or whatever, maybe not crypto itself. But also, there's a lot of restrictions on the use of cryptocurrencies for settled uh, foreign commerce or uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, transnational commerce. So for example, you cannot channel imports or export using crypto now because there is a like a strictly prohibition in which you have to use the decentralized market or you cannot settle uh, international payment for salaries or whatever because all of these kind of transnational payments have to go through the official channel and we suppose uh, or we are very optimistic that the new government will open or will lift these restrictions so both the institutional and the retail customers uh, will be able to use crypto for this new uh, uh, set of, of stuff that were not uh, uh, like able to, to do now. And this combined with the ideas, as Daniel was mentioning, uh, of the liberty of being able to settle local contracts or payments in whatever the currency that people want to use, being the Argentinian peso, the dollar, the euro, the yen, or the Bitcoin, or the Ether, or the stable coins, or whatever. So being able to settle uh, um, private contracts using cryptocurrencies open for us, for the crypto community, a lot of new experiences that we have been able like to to use, but in a very specific points, like in the real estate market or in the cars market. So uh, these are markets in which we are used to settle payments or to settle contracts using like bags full of print money, in which like you have like to like to literally carry bricks of bills which no value and then you will be able to do it legally just with a click or just with that transfer via your cell phone so that's for me it's a very big improvement that we will face uh since the beginning of next year amazing and then daniel uh would love to get your your thoughts on any uh kind of policy pragmatic policy implications uh that, that we can expect to see uh from from the melee administration here um i guess 
both your perspective as a Bitcoiner, but then also from from the Bitcoin Argentina perspective. I know you guys have been active in proposing some different laws and legal frameworks and things of that nature. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And then um, another question would be, uh, Millet's talked a lot about dollarizing the economy. And um, just, I guess this would be a question for me, both of you. Uh, would be what would be the implications of this for crypto specifically? Like, would would there be as much demand for USDT if uh, if if dollars were more just readily available, like regular dollars? Would the, or would this maybe uh, increase demand for USDT because people realize it's just an easier way to get dollars, uh, and there's not you don't there doesn't necessarily have to be like a black market around it anymore. Um, anyway, would love Daniel. Why don't you start with you and then uh, Julian if you want to jump back in? Sure. Okay, well, for Bitcoin, it's much easier to compete in a context uh, where peso is weak and there are many capital controls. And all the, the situation that Julian described is the best scenario for Bitcoin to develop because you cannot have, you don't have other other option to really do transactions. Of course, the markets uh, get uh, smaller because the economy is, uh, is shrunk. Uh, if we have a, a scenario where the economy will start to really grow, uh, we will have other layers of uh, the reasons uh, to adopt Bitcoin that are much, uh, uh, you know, uh, granular in the sense that uh, you will uh, need to look at the qualities of Bitcoin in a, in a, in a higher level. Uh, uh, to, to, to a higher extent that uh, because if you have like a freedom of currencies, you are competing with the dollar, you're competing with the franc, we are competing with the euro, so that you will have to find a, a reason why to use crypto that in the in the current context is, is much easier because you don't have the ability to to use uh, other media medium of payment. So I think in a in a in a libertarian context in where the people have the ability to choose uh, whatever currencies they want, uh, there are of course many many reasons why we still we we want to uh, use crypto, and uh, among these reasons, of course, you can uh, find that the the global regulations on 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 uh, for example uh, anti money laundering the swift system of uh, payments uh, all these uh, controls and systems are really making the machine be very slow and expensive so that also you will have to uh, operate within, within. Uh, for example, today Thanksgiving, you don't have uh, banks, you don't have uh, the markets. Uh, in the crypto, uh, this doesn't happen. You have the ability to work 24-7 and uh, you don't have to uh, uh, go through all these uh, uh, AML controls, except if you go through a centralized exchange. But you don't need to go through a centralized exchange if you want to operate uh, completely uh, in uh, uh, native wallets uh, of the of the of this particular crypto you are operating. So it's much more open. You have privacy. So there are many reasons why uh, 
you will still be wanting to uh, operate with crypto in a, in a free market. And on top of, of all the reasons that I mentioned that, of course, there are more, more reasons, is that it is a fantasy that the fiat currencies, uh, including the most strong, like the dollar, euro, are not uh, uh, devaluating. Every year, the purchase power of all these currencies is lower. It's easy to uh, find out, you know, you if you uh, travel or if you look at all this, all, all the charts, uh, you have inflation in, in all these countries. And this is something that uh, in, in, in Bitcoin, for example, uh, is not happening. So uh, the, the, the reasons to still uh, adopt crypto are, are very, very sound. Julian, do you want to jump in there? Anything to add? No, on top of that, I think Argentina has been an amazing source of very talented people working on the crypto industry. So when Vitalik Buterin was here or uh, during the LaBitConf uh, expos or even at, at, uh, at exports or events all over the world, there's always a very strong presence of Argentinian developers. So we ha we have been used like to use our creativity because of the restrictions and all of the turmoils we face during our whole lives in which as daniel mentioned so the abilities to use crypto and the advantage to use crypto here it's uh it's amazing so i think that the combination between the proper environment to foster this kind of creativity plus the talent the Argentinian developers already have can like can only increase uh, the contribution we can make to the crypto industry. And then, kind of going back to to Millet here and his his upcoming presidency, and at least my read on him is that he's he's he has said some like positive things about Bitcoin, uh, but he's really just more of like a libertarian who has lots of overlap with the Bitcoin worldview. Um, and it, I don't know how necessarily like pro Bitcoin he necessarily is, but there's just like, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of shared values there. And I guess like, what would be, you know, maybe, maybe Daniel's a question for you, but say, say if, okay, obviously whenever somebody takes, takes the presidency role, there's all of a sudden, there's all these people coming out of the woodwork who are trying to lobby them and influence them and, you know, throw ideas at them and whatever. And I, I would assume that because he shares so many values with people in the Bitcoin community, he will probably... Uh, listen to those people, or at least take their ideas seriously. But like, what would be kind of under a melee presidency? What would be like the ideal scenario for uh, for for like the ideal positive scenario for Bitcoin that 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 might realistically uh, come to pass? Like, what would what would be what would be like your your kind of your dream scenario? Okay, um, you know, in, in when when the pie is uh, is uh, small. Maybe you have a large market share of crypto versus all the other uh, uh, payment or uh, store currency systems. Uh, I think uh, in, a, in, a, in an ideal world, the pie would be much larger. And maybe the, the market share for crypto will be uh, low, will be smaller, but still will be larger than the current uh, in, in absolute terms. Maybe not in uh, in relative terms, because 
if people will be able to to trade uh, freely with other currencies like like dollar euro mostly dollar they will maybe not find a, a, a reason to use for example tether because tether is you know uh, uh, is backed by dollars so why would you use a, a tether if you can have dollars uh, of course you can uh, have some advantages but usually uh, you will prefer to to have uh, dollars uh, if you uh, so that you don't have another intermediary which is uh, tether right uh, the tether company that holds the dollars on behalf of the the token holders so the ideal scenario for for argentina uh, if we have like a libertarian government is uh, i would say not to uh, focus on crypto regulation instead uh, focusing on what are the barriers and the obstacles to the general economy so that to repeal all these obstacles and barriers and by doing so you will not need to do anything particular for crypto because if you eliminate the barriers for capital controls if you eliminate the barriers for example for uh, using your bank accounts if you uh, don't tax uh, uh, the payments on when you use your credit card uh, when you travel abroad if you eliminate all these you will not have to do anything particular for crypto because uh, crypto is like a, a one more thing in the whole universe and in a libertarian government you need to have regulations for each particular thing you just have like the broad legislation that is applicable to the economy and to people, and you know what are the rules. You know that you have a contract. You have to, to, uh, you know, you can you you cannot breach this contract because you will face uh, uh, all the potential problems by breaching contracts, and that's it. So, in the, in the freedom uh, environment, you don't need you don't need that someone really takes a particular has to take particular care of crypto. Is or is, it takes cars by by the by the contracts and by the people that use uh, this and by the judicial system that uh, is uh, accepting that the law is uh, based on the contracts and that respects what uh, voluntarily people do on the on their interactions. And then. Uh, on that point of that broader point of of which, which I like I, and I, I agree with in that you know the, the ideal scenario is one where you're just kind of like you're creating the best overall scenario for the broader economy, uh, providing a maximum amount of freedom and liberty, and just letting kind of the market uh, you know adopt crypto or not adopt crypto as it best sees fit. Um, but just kind of pragmatically here, uh, maybe Julian will turn to you with this one, and then Dan, you can chime in. What are going to be the biggest barriers to Millet adopting? some of these things that he's promised, right? Like, like obviously the, the Peronist kind of political machine here is quite, uh, you know, quite strong. They've been there. They've been in power for a very long time. There's a lot of, uh, they've got a lot of power still in a lot of the institutions across, across the government. Um, and we've just seen, you know, just globally, you know, in the last uh, decade or so with, we'll call it like, you know, kind of the populist insurrection type of <laughs> elections with like, whether it's Brexit or Trump or Bolsonaro, right? The, the political establishment will sort of find ways to 
you know, throw sand in the gears and, uh, you know, uh, get these populist people uh, sort of out. Right. Um, and so I'm just kind of wondering, what do you think are going to be the biggest hurdles to because uh, I mean, what he's, he's proposing some pretty grand stuff, right? I mean, he's he's his he's campaigning, walking around with like a chainsaw, like you know, talking about all the things he's going to cut, all the spending he's going to cut, right? And you know, it's like okay, it's, it goes, it's good optics, right? But in in practice, it's a lot more difficult to do these things. So, uh, Julian, maybe you want to take that one, and then and then over to Daniel. Sure, sure. Um, you just name it. No, yeah, you have I don't know a lot of context on what's or or how's living under similar experiences like uh, Trump in the US or Bolsonaro in Brazil. And it's very different the things you can say during a campaign trail than the things you can actually do when in government. Uh, there's a lot in the particular case of of this country, there's a lot of red tape all over uh, the federal government. Uh, for example, like just to point out a few uh, cases, there are more than 700,000 federal employees on uh, on the on the country. So firing like 50% of them as like Millet or some of his uh, of his supporters say during the campaign will be basically impossible because there's a there so the those those employments are warranted by law like most of them you have very strong unions here. Uh, you have a culture of not uh, of not dealing like with the employment of people. I'm not saying it cannot be done. I'm saying it would be very difficult to do. So the chainsaw or the or the sticky notes on the on the different ministries like being like like thrown over will be very difficult to do when taking office. Or for example, so uh, some of the things. Uh, he said was to burn down the central bank and have no central bank. Like from my point of view, that's gonna be impossible. Maybe you can get rid of the monetary policy and like you can print no money, no local money, and then like focus on the dollarization or whatever the project may be. But the central bank address a lot of other functions like supervising the banking system, like addressing the reports that the banks and fintechs uh, have to have to present and. I see very difficult like to preserve the integrity of the users' funds in banks and fintechs with no central bank because of this of the surveillance role it has. So these kind of different examples are the ones in that I don't think like a hundred percent of the things that Millet or his uh, supporters say during the campaign will be able to do or to fulfill as were said. Nonetheless. I think we are going to see some radical changes or some like very important changes, mainly during the first like two or three months of government. So, for example, he promised and he's insisting he will privatize a lot of the of the national owned or the government owned companies, the, like the airlines, uh, our our petrol and gas company or uh, the water and sea wind company. So this is kind of the like very like traditional liberal stuff I think he will do. Um, and it will be uh, very interesting to see how much of the libertarian stuff that Daniel was mentioning and that uh, Millet Center, uh, most of, he, of his campaign of, uh, he will be able to do with, don't remember, or please do remember, with no congressional support. He has less than 10% of both uh, deputies and senators from his political party. He's working on different political uh, 
coalitions with other political parties, but he won't have the majority on either of uh, the congressional chambers, which will make the things more difficult because there's a lot of things that you have to pass or they have to be passed by the Congress. So we will face a very difficult environment like to fulfill all his campaign promises. So let's see. Daniel, anything you want to add okay, to that? Uh, I what think, uh, yes, the, uh, there are many uh, areas that very are very visible. The areas that Julian mentioned are very visible. There is an area that is uh, not as visible and at the same time is the main problem that needs to be solved, which is the sterilization policy that was being implemented by the government uh, since uh, maybe the days uh, of, uh, uh, including before uh, Macri's uh, was in, in charge. This comes from a, a, a former president of the central bank, that was, his name was Fabrega. After that was Banoli, then Sturzenegger, all the central bank, uh, uh, policies were based on lending money to the treasurer. And this created a big, big ball that is called the Lelix, uh, which is uh, bonds uh, that are issued by, by the government that uh, are uh, three times the monetary base of, of the country in Argentina. And this, uh, how, to, how this issue will be solved is really very important and does not need any congressional uh, involvement. Uh, so uh, this is something that will be really uh, the the turning point of, of how how all the all the new government will will face. And depending on how this will be solved, there will be, of course, some kind of a mega devaluation of the peso, because if, for example, the government decides to pay all these bonds uh, to, to, to the banks, uh, they will have uh, pesos in the market that are probably going to uh, generate uh, price uh, increases and also maybe uh, the, the dollar will, will go up as well. Uh, this is something that we don't know because maybe already in the price in the price of the dollar is included this uh, uh, leaks effect. So you know in the market it's very difficult because you create different effects by doing one thing that you create maybe confidence and at the same time uh, you 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 have uh, more pesos in, in the market. So we never know what will be the final effect. But this is uh, really. Uh, the main aspect, because all the public spending is really peanuts compared to how much is the government spending on the interest on these bonds every month. So uh, this is a real challenge for the next government. And if they saw this, um, I think uh, most of the, of, of the rest of the problems will be really small because um, uh, the you know, the prices and the salaries will be, are denominated in pesos. And by doing, uh, in, in the, in the, depending on how you solve this, this problem of the leaks, you will have a lot of pesos in the market or not. This can, if, if you, uh, instead of uh, 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 
paying these ladies in pesos. You, uh, for example, do like a change, a swap of of these bonds to uh, to uh, uh, dollar denominated bonds. This uh, will create a different scenario because all the people that have the money in the banks, uh, all this money is uh, the collateral is all these leaks that the banks have and uh, the banks don't are not lending money to people because they are lending money to the government. So the effect of how we will solve this issue is really the most important thing for the net government. And it's really a, great, a big opportunity if they if they use it properly to, to solve, maybe this will be like a bomb that will explode in, in one time, but at the same time, this bomb will create the conditions for, for a much more sound policies and a, a, a change in, 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 the, in, the, in the way that will be much easier if, if it is done correctly. Amazing, amazing. Um, moving, I just want to wrap up here uh, in a couple minutes. So uh, just final kind of quick round of questions here. And I really want to focus on... Uh, just kind of the the optics of this whole this whole situation, right? Uh, at the very least, Millet has he hasn't been he hasn't even taken his office yet, but he has definitely won kind of the hearts and minds of the global Bitcoin crypto world, uh, rightfully or not. But he's uh, he's you know we have you know kind of Bitcoin luminaries on Twitter like Michael Saylor and Balaji, you know, congratulating him as Bitco the next Bitcoin president and all these kind of things. And maybe that's probably premature to be saying that, but it's it's at least you know it's 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 a helpful narrative at least. Um, so I guess the question for for both of you would be, um, I, I feel like all of this has been very good for at least bringing more attention to what's going on in Argentina and bringing more attention to the actual uh, crypto sort of use cases that are happening in Argentina that we're seeing. I mean, I think even Peter McCormick, the, the What Bitcoin Did guy was in Argentina uh, a few months ago. He did a big documentary kind of on inflation, how people are using Tether, all this kind of stuff. It feels like there's just a lot more uh, attention being paid to the region uh, just generally uh, by the broader crypto community. And um, one, of the, one of the reasons I've, I've started this, this platform, my Brazil Crypto Report uh, platform, is just because I felt like there wasn't enough English language really content or just attention being paid to this part of the world. So I would love to get your some of your thoughts on how does this, I mean, at the very least, if, if nothing else happens, at least it's it's bringing a lot of like very positive attention from the, the Bitcoin crypto world to like this part of the world. And uh, Julia, maybe we'll start with you, but we'd just love to kind of get your reflections on, you know, what is what does this kind of mean for like crypto and Bitcoin adoption in the region more broadly, just given given this influx of attention? Yeah, first, I agree with you in believing that it's maybe premature to call him a Bitcoin president. So like he has had like some uh, some interviews in which he spoke about like the role or the philosophy or how he uh, coincides or concurs with the philosophy of, of Bitcoin because of the freedom, the liberty or whatever. So, but I don't, I still don't know if it's correct to call him a, a Bitcoin president. But this being said, uh, for me, the best uh, narrative we can use is that we have been living in a country in which the use of crypto because of the macro problems and the capital controls have been 
a real solution for daily lives of a lot of people. The use of stable coins, the use of investments in Bitcoin, uh, you name it. So there's a lot of uh, things. And then we can continue that narrative now in which seeing how a pro or a more liberal government or a more pro uh, liberty of contracts government can foster the adoption we already have. So uh, I really would like uh, for these people that have traveled like Peter McCormack or like Michael Saylor or like the lot, the, the lot of very influential crypto people who have put an eye on Argentina because of the use of the widely spread use of crypto to keep surveilling the country to see how I am pretty confident how the crypto adoption and the use of crypto will keep increasing no matter how big or small are the capital controls or the macro problems or no matter who's in government. And I think we have a, a population which is increasingly fond of trying new stuff in order like, to live more, more efficiently, uh, in a cheaper way, in a faster way. Uh, so I really believe that uh, we will still have to see the most interesting years uh, for the crypto use here. Daniel, you want to comment on that? Okay, um, I think uh, we we still have to see what is going to be implemented. Javier Milei is uh, uh, in love with an idea, as many of us, and you know how this idea is bring is brought to to reality. We don't know yet. Maybe he he creates uh, the best conditions and he he follows uh, all the all the books all the austrian economics books and we have a, a horizon of liberty and people uh, increasing the welfare and i don't know if we, people will need or not crypto at that point uh, uh, i think i i really don't don't care if they they will need crypto by by by, by then uh, to the extent they they can the thing the, the important thing is that they can really choose what they want to do uh this is something that runs in a in a in a in a parallel uh, way that in 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 a, the austrian model is not a model it's concept so that what people do is really not really uh, what we are focusing because we are really uh, open to uh, what people want to do this is like just an architecture and people move around with whatever they want to move of course if they don't uh, affect uh, or violent other peoples uh, so uh, I love uh, I love crypto. I love Bitcoin. I I I have uh, uh, been saving in, in crypto for for a long time. I have a lot of clients. Uh, you mentioned Sebastian. I helped uh, Sebastian launching uh, Bitpago, which is the previous company to Ripio. So uh, I'm a fan of this. And at the same time, I think uh, we should not be. Uh, like uh, thinking that we are the center of the universe. Uh, people do what they want. And if they choose or not, Bitcoin is their decision. We don't have to do, make, choose Bitcoin, do them, choose whatever. It's 
their option. No, it's very well said. Yeah, I think that that is sort of the core ethos, right? It's it's the freedom, right? It's the freedom to choose and like you know let the market decide, let the individual citizen decide, and uh, you know we'll ultimately see the best outcomes uh, in that in that capacity, right? Um, all right, well, we're gonna wrap it up here, um, but really want to thank both of you for coming on the show. Uh, I'll turn it back if to each of you for any quick final thoughts or anything else you wanted to say, uh, and then how can folks get in touch if they want to learn more? Uh, Julian, you want to go first, and then over to Daniel. No, first of all, thank you and uh, thanks for uh, for giving us space because, like, I think we are on a breaking point in which uh, we'll have to see or we will see very interesting things uh, during the next couple of of, uh, of months. So keep tuned to what's happening here. There's a lot of media. There's a lot of people on Twitter. You can follow me at uh, at Julian underscore Colombo on Twitter, or you can follow Bitso. Uh, uh, so uh, we'll see, and it will be very interesting for me to see if uh, President uh, Millet, as promised, uh, will get rid of, of the monetary policy, which is one of the main prerogatives that every government has. So I think it will be very interesting to see how he deal with that. Okay, I think it, it is very important for me to separate the idea from the implementation. I see this uh, both in, in many areas, including the crypto industry. A lot of people like fell in love with the idea of decentralization, security, or well, the trilemma and uh, scalability, so that they started uh, uh, to, to love Bitcoin. And then uh, there, there were other crypto uh, developments in the market. And uh, if you really are in love with this idea, you should be able to separate the idea from the implementation so that be open to what the market is really development, developing. Like, for example, I, I don't want to uh, uh, make any advertising, but there are new developments. I don't know whether you've heard about the ghost DAG that is being developed by the CASPA uh, community. And this is creating a, a really a revolution into the crypto market. And uh, based on, on, on uh, really uh, the... Nakamoto consensus. And I think this uh, is something to be focused. And I, I see that a lot of people that like, for example, the big maximalists are really, uh, cannot really separate the idea from the implementation. And Bitcoin is an implementation of an idea. And uh, I think uh, uh, we should really, we should be open to what is going to be happening next. And uh, well, of course, I'm I'm very excited about what's going to what's going on in, in Argentina in the next uh, in the next few days. And well, uh, again, my name is Daniel Ribnik. I'm in Twitter. I'm in uh, Instagram. I'm in Facebook. It's easy to find me. Uh, I would be happy to to be in contact with uh, all of you. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to be in this show and congratulations Aaron. thank you uh yeah and thank you so much daniel julian for for being here uh and i uh, really appreciate your insights very valuable uh i think there's just there's just like so much to the situation that is uh interesting and kind of if you really want to take advantage of the fact that the world's kind of at least the crypto world is focused on argentina right now so i uh, really appreciate you guys coming on to share your insights and help us just to better understand this 
Uh, so appreciate you both. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. 